Demons Discuss, Take 79, The One with the Crossroads. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean for take two of this recording. Greetings, 2.0. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Hello again. Ether and Jerry and friends. (laughs) Yes. And Jerry's Texas friends, please be kind to me. Right. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Jean? We are talking about chapter 11 of the Book of Life. Oh my goodness. So much magic, crossroads, higher magic, dark magic, and Magic Matthew not being very, very happy about any of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's the magic gamut. It's like a magical department store. (laughs) (laughs) So many things to choose from here. Yes. Jean, do you want to timestamp us? Yes. It, today we are recording. It is November 14th, 2020. And it looks like all of the races have been called. And yes. we got we'll through the American election, guys. Yes. We'll see where we're at. We'll see where we're at. Well, mm. we Can't we, have we really at. gotten just... through it? <laughs> no. Well, we've got we've gotten through the we've gotten our answer. It's just convincing some people to accept the answer. Yeah, <laughs> we're just stage it. two. <laughs> Anger. <laughs> <laughs> what comes after that? Anger, like the stages of grief, acceptance. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That's last. That's the very last. <laughs> bargaining, right. I think. Yeah, bargaining, maybe. right. We're at bargaining. Yeah, I think, I yes. think we're at like anger and bargaining is both going yeah. on at this point in time. Like the cuss, the bridge between the yeah. two. Uh, like all those attorneys that are bargaining to not get uh, sanctioned with their respective bar associations because they're like going into court with no evidence. What is that? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I guess like, somebody fell asleep in law school. <laughs> somebody fell asleep in that class. Mm. Oh, shit. My dog ate it. <laughs> Do you have any evidence of fraud? Mm, no. No? Yeah, dude. Once you end up in front of that judge, you don't want to be making misrepresentations on the record now, do you? Because that's like a crime. Oh, Let me look at my back pocket. No, no evidence there. <laughs> Oops. I'll get back to you. Oh. Yeah, it was, crazy, it was crazy. Kind of a delight to me, only because I'm cracking up, because watching some of the judges I've practiced in front of many years ago in Michigan and and Nevada and watching them spank people. It's kind of funny. (laughs) They ain't having it, huh? Yeah. I mean, I knew the federal judge in Nevada. He was still a practicing lawyer when I knew Andy. So I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, and of course, there he is. Like, he's not going to be happy with any of this shit. And sure enough, he wasn't. All right. So back to All Souls and <laughs> yeah. let's talk about this sponsorship. So, uh, yeah, I think earlier in our first recording, we said, thank you, Georgia. And we're yes. going to say again, thank you, Georgia. So this podcast is sponsored by very generous listeners. They help us pay for all the stuff it takes to run a podcast, media hosting, website hosting, file storage, programs and apps, image and music licensing, postage, recording equipment, hardware, software. Oh, my. Yay! Coffee to bribe the Grendel kids when they, we need us need them to do something for us. That's right. Well, that comes out of my own pocket, but okay. <laughs> we should subsidize some of that coffee only because they've done so, done so much for us in the graphics department, and the lovely Devin Grendel has 
so nicely in our voice actress. Our voiceover artist, yes. Yes. So best of all, we're able to keep our podcast and web space ad-free. So Angela, why should our non-patron listeners become patrons? They should become patrons because starting at two hard-earned dollars, they get the after show, which in my opinion is the most white elephant of white elephants of the podcast episodes. But Um, a dollar a show? Why not? (laughs) I know, right? Well, and and so we've been told that we're helping people with their sanity (laughs) by the gibberish that we produce, so why not? Uh, Other levels, though, get various swag, and everybody, regardless of your patron level, um, is entered into our quarterly drawing. Yay! So how does that work, Angela? That works by, so randomly, your name is chosen, or a name is chosen, and then Valerie, the Oprah (laughs) of the group, decides what fabulous prize you get. It's as easy as that. Easy as that. For two bucks a month. You can't beat it. Wow. (laughs) Such a deal. (laughs) What a bargain. <laughs> so if you guys are interested in that, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Okay, let's head on to discusser emails and who wants to go? I'll start. Okay. okay. I have I have a discusser email from Zoe. Hey Zoe. Hey she Zoe. Says- Hi, Angela, Jean, and Val. This chapter seems to me about opposites, life and death, dark and light, creation and destruction, all linked to the crossroads. Coincidence that it was allegedly put there by the Oneida? Mm. Diana can feel the power and hear voices, including her parents. Diana reveals her big secret, and with these, these words, she finally, truly accepts her fate as having power over life and death, and therefore the purpose of the goddess has for her. Even says she wants it. You cannot make me regret what I asked the goddess for or any price I've paid because of it. Matthew shows a moment of clarity when he speaks about the effect of making the decision to let someone live or die. And he should know, quote, Mm -hmm. something in your own soul dies each time you make the choice for another, end quote. Whether you realize it or not, you pay the price every time. It reminds me of Voldemort. Losing a piece of his soul every time he took a life. Was the ampulla a kind of horcrux? Ooh, that's, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the nice thing about it, if it, even if it is from that horcrux, something new grew and it keeps giving gifts. Yeah. If the early true. chapters are to be trusted. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of them are white elephant gifts, of course, but you know. <laughs> the missing uh, car keys, that was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. She continues, the chapter feels quite heavy and portentous at this point, and not in a good way. Then the babies quicken and all the tension dissipates. Diana and Matthew laugh and she realizes that it was was not death, but life that brought her to the crossroads. She notices that the stars seem brighter, keeping the darkness of the new moon in balance with the light. More life and death with Rebecca's Book of Shadows, the spooky extreme first spell. Why didn't they just ask Bobby Woodruff? Logical question, but he really doesn't know teenagers. <laughs> this is just such a guy response. <laughs> Versus Diana's call. I do believe it was significant that they were given it on the day the babies quickened, but also not a coincidence that it happens all on the day Diana truly accepts her destiny. Final opposite of creation destruction, Stephen and Rebecca. Just realized this has been a long email, but before I go, a couple of other things that struck me in this chapter. One funny, but no one would appreciate at the moment. The house retaliated by moving all toilet paper rolls from the bathroom cabinets and replacing them with a variety of electronic gadgets capable of playing music. Can you imagine you wait weeks for the Amazon delivery and then the house hides them? (laughs) 
But no, I think what Deb was talking about is instead of like the little roller in the wall that we all have or whatever, back in the 70s, they had these really trashy wall unit. They held the toilet paper roll and they were like an AM FM radio. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> I think that's what she's talking about, which is even skin. It's like TV in the potty. It's like, really? It's kind of intrusive. Oh. For yeah. a phone in the bathroom. Uh, just bad ideas all around in the seventies with work the bathroom with a shag carpet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just bad. Okay. The other a question. Was that the first was that first spell of Rebecca's the one that M was using was trying to use to summon Rebecca? Well, best get on with some work. Looking forward to your panel at the con. Take care and stay safe, ladies. Your journeyman demon, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. Jean, what do you have? I have one from Chloe. Yay, Chloe. Hi, demons. It's your vampire from down under. In my state, it's been 98 days since our last community transmission case of COVID. Hang on. That deserves applause. Yes. Yes. Very good. Mine is like 98 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> mine mine was probably like three seconds ago. Oh, God. Ugh. Mine's somewhere in between. <laughs> yes. Per your email, when I read Matthew's indignation at the price Diana paid for the goddess's help, I thought of Outlander. Yes, I know you hate the series, but it is relevant. No, I don't think it's fair to say we hate the series. We just are not fans. There's a difference. There's an indifference. Yeah, there you go. Hate is too passionate, I think. Yes. In the first book, Jamie Frazier sacrifices himself to Jack... Black Jack Randall to save his wife's life, allowing Jack to torture him for his pleasure. Well, that and a couple other things. Uh, Mm. Claire repays the favor to Jamie by giving herself to the French king to save Jamie from jail. That's a later book than the first one, by the way. Matthew is willing to do whatever he must for Diana, but can't stand the idea of her sacrificing for him. Well, that's a whole bunch of self-loathing on Matthew's part, but we'll... (laughs) <laughs> Probably beat that horse, beat that dead horse as usual later on in the show. Stop! It's already dead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a skeleton for God's sake! <laughs> oh gosh can bear pain myself, but I could not bear yours. That would take more strength than I have. I feel that sums up a lot about how Matthew sees Diana's deal. I agree there. Okay, that's all for me, ladies. Have a good weekend and may we see the end of 2020. Your vampire down under, Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. End of 2020. Fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tired. Tired of 2020 already. Oh, God. Okay, so I have one from Uh Persephone. Hey, Persephone. She says, Dear Demons, hope you and your families are all well. Have to say, it's always reassuring to hear your three voices in each new podcast episode and realize that you're still okay. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, we're still here and kicking. We're we're (laughs) still muddling through each and every day. (laughs) Yep. She says, The real-time reads have been all-consuming and so good. I've really enjoyed going back into your old podcast with each Adal and Sun chapter and delving into your show notes too so packed with historical information and insights such a wonderful resource bank well thank you i think thank those, you so much some of those go back before i went into the truncated show notes but we did put a lot of work into those old show notes oh man and, oh god it was yeah. i mean they they would take hours to do and then i'm like you know what i can't not for as many for the amount of people that actually stop and visit the show notes yeah but so. some of the show notes are classic like propeller man 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget Propeller Man. No, never forget. Never forget. Uh, she goes on. The con so far has also been intensely engrossing and engaging. It's my first one, and I had no idea that the lectures would be so detailed and at times downright erudite. Okay. Uh-huh. So to sw- switch the mind to the Book of Life, Chapter 11 is quite a challenge. But on a quick skim, reread and re-listen, what has struck me again is the unsettling and foreboding mood created by the crossroads scene with Diana and Matthew and how post Harry Potter, my expectations of impending disaster in the forest at night setting were on high alert. When I first read it in 2018, I thought that scene was all built up to not very much outcome. But after several rereads, I think that one of the main messages of the trilogy begins to be more overt at this point. That is, Diana and Matthew are more threatened by their internal conflicts caused by fear, denial, and guilt than the external forces of the creature world or the supernatural. The scene is set as if it's another test, and I think they pass it because Matthew pushes her to the brink, and they are able to acknowledge, as the chapter goes on, that Diana's magic and their own union embody the fusion of a particular set of opposites that's unbeatable. Very much looking forward to your con presentation and this special podcast in the pipeline. Thank you, as ever, for all the hours and hard work you put in for us. Persephone. You're welcome, Persephone. Thank you. That was a really good email. Yes. I mean, just skimming through, you did really well. (laughs) We can stop recording now. (laughs) She summed it up. (laughs) She she sure did. Are we ready, guys? Yeah. Yep. Let's start the wagon. This chapter discussion is brought to us by Carrie Diabo. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. So, when we left off in Chapter 10, Diana and Sarah were in the still room. Sarah was trying to ward off the enchanted radio serving the musical stylings of Fleetwood Mac, while Uh. Diana was working on a dream spell for the local children. We ended it with the realization that Stephen's ghost was there to cheer both her spellcrafting and her taste in music. We open up chapter 11 and we're witnessing Diana trying to steer Matthew in the direction of going back to scientific studies because they were going to need them. I just had a thought. Go ahead. Do you think Stephen instigated the house with the Fleetwood Mac? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I mean, they kept saying Rebecca, but I really think it was Stephen. It was him. I mean, the fact that then he shows up to like rub his his little ghostly hands together and observe his handiwork (laughs) and kind of, I can almost see him snickering, you know? And Diana did say, that sounds more like dad's music. Right. (laughs) Just having the book open right now, his last line was excellent taste in music, too. Like, I could picture his eyebrows. Yeah, like, (laughs) "Mm -hmm." like, (laughs) that was all me. I mean, hey, if that last song inspired her to create a decent spell, why not? You know? Well, and the other thing is, too, is it, like, I mean, as we see, it gives Sarah something else to focus her frustration on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it was fucking with her a little bit. <laughs> well, I think it was fucking with her a lot. But... <laughs> oh, my God. So what do we think of chapter 11? What, what were your impressions going into this chapter? First read, this read, something in between. Go ahead. I loved it. But then again, you know me, I'm Scorpio and dark anyways. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing that struck me this time was the fact that the twins quicken at the dark of the moon. I mean, it was just another one 
one of those things that's like, wait a minute, her fertility and everything to do with the kids and the miscarriage and everything else is all tied into the wheel of the year and the cycle of the moon. I mean, yeah. the ties to Deb is at least as far as timing and everything. She has really pinpointed auspicious and sometimes terrifying moments in time and moments in the cycle to have as her plot beats. And it's, it's really very fascinating. I think it's interesting that the chapter before Sarah was giving Diana a lecture on quote unquote dark magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was going into, hey, is a new moon evil? It's mm-hmm. not. So we kind of gotten the lesson before from Sarah saying it's not necessarily bad if something is dark because, you know, the new moon represents the crone or Mm -hmm. wisdom or the unknown and the children. We don't know what the children are going to be. So it falls right into that explanation that we got in chapter 10. So it it also falls in line with one of the um, beginnings of the chapter where they said it's the death of things. And I had compared it to the getting the death card in tarot. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, getting it upright and getting it upside down is two different things, but neither one are necessarily bad. It's just endings and beginnings. Endings, beginnings change. Right. And here's another thing to keep in mind, too. Let's go back to our uh, favorite to beat with the dead stick, the Aurora Consurgis. Mm -hmm. Turn to me with all your heart. I, uh, you know, what is it? I am dark and shadowed. Don't turn away from me because I am dark and shadowed. Yeah. Right. And we always knew that to be Diana, but it's Mm -hmm. worded in such a way where you think it's Matthew. Yes. And here's where they realize it. It's like, oh, they meant me. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. This read, I really enjoyed it even more. First read, I would say I enjoyed this part of the book. I enjoyed being in Madison. Everything I did not enjoy in Discovery Witches, hearing from Sarah, visiting with Sarah, being at the Bishop House, people would say, oh, I love the Bishop House. It's so great. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd rather go back to set tour and be where it's more glitzy and glamorous. (laughs) Now I love this. I love this part of, you know, going back to basics and seeing the foundation and I think spiritually, I'm much more in tune with this chapter 11 than I ever was before in the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, I think I've always been grounded in chapter 10 and 11. When I saw them work together, this is the beginning. This is the foundation, mm-hmm. Diana's foundation that she ignored all those years. And now she's coming back to it. And you cannot be good to anybody unless you're shit straight, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So she can't be good for that union unless she has her foundation and her family behind her and and everything because here we had like when we open up discovery witches we just see this witch that you know she's putting away her magic she's denying that part of her but she Mm -hmm. needs that part of her to proceed on even more basic than that she's a loner yes and and i think by the time we get to to the book of life she realizes that we all need community whether it's it's a family of blood or a found family you need You need community to flourish. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's start. Matthew took the news about my mother's proficiency with the higher magics better than expected. He had long suspected that something existed between the homely work of the craft and the bright spectacles of elemental magic. He was not at all surprised that I, in another mark of in-betweenness, could practice such a magic. What shocked him was that this talent came through my mother's blood. That set me off. Why should it shock him that she didn't get... 
got something spectacular from her mom. I don't know. Especially when he was talking to Hamish and saying how powerful and how her reputation precedes her. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that she she is a melding of herself and her vanishing twin brother. Yeah. You know, she's got both her powers and his powers. Why wouldn't she have a a type of power from her mother as well as from her father? It was kind of, Matthew's still doing a little bit of his rash jumping, kind of a jumps to the conclusion there that's like, oh, her dad's a weaver. This all must be thanks to him. Yeah. 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 But he has had a, a big dose of Stephen lately. I mean, he just left off in Shadow of yeah. Night. Probably at last month he saw Stephen. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's where she gets yeah. it from. Okay. And it's the easy one to check off. Right. Like, yeah, okay, but, I don't have to think about it But he's the anymore. geneticist. He should be a little, thinking a little bit more than that. True. True, true. You think. He hasn't been around Miriam lately to for her to smack yeah. upside the head and say, dude, look. And it also calls back to a discovery of witches, like in the early mm-hmm. chapters where the witches of the coven would mutter under their breasts about Rebecca and Stephen getting together and saying mm-hmm. too much power. Yeah. And that is kind of a throwaway line when you're reading through this. It's like, uh, okay, too much power, whatever. Yeah. And then they bring up Rebecca's power. And then we kind of forgot it when we show Stephen. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Jean, exactly. It just kind of like, it's an easy box to check off when we just spent all that time with, with Stephen and we have not looked at Rebecca's yes. powers. And we still have, we still don't no, know right. exactly what Rebecca's no. powers are to this day. So he says, I'll have to take a closer look at your mtDNA workup after all. You think? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and Diana says, sounds good. And she also thinking to herself, it was the first time Matthew had shown any desire to return to his genetic research. Days have gone by without any mention of Oxford, Baldwin, the Book of Life, or Blood Rage. And while he might have forgotten that there was genetic information bound up in Ashmole 782, I had not. Once we had the manuscript back in our hands, we were going to need his scientific skills to decipher it. Matthew says, you're right, there's definitely blood in it, as well as resin and acacia. Did I say that right? Acacia? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Matthew swirled the ink around. Acacia, I learned this morning, was the source of gum arabic which made the ink less runny i thought as much and this is diana talking the inks used in ashmole 72 had blood in them too it must be more of a common practice than i thought okay and it was more of a common practice than i thought because i was kind of shocked when i was and then matthew goes on to say there's some frankincense in it too and he's ignoring the mention of book of life Diana says, ah, that's what gives it that exotic scent. She went rummaging through the remaining bottles, hoping to find something else to catch his biochemical curiosity. And Matthew comes back and says, that in the blood, of course. Diana says, if it's my mother's blood that can shed even more light in my DNA. Hey, are you interested? Mm. Come on. You might want to get out your microscope or something. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded Um, dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Leave it to you, Gene. All right. That's uh, a talent. What could I say? It, <laughs> I, but I guarantee you, no guy wants it to be called a microscope. <laughs> no, or, no, no guy wants you to need a microscope. Need a microscope. <laughs> I think he's more worried about her pulling out her microscope at this point. <laughs> Great, we're in the ditch and we have to pull Angela out too. What the fuck? <laughs> it's 2020, yo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so speaking of talent, and Diana goes on to comment, my talent for higher magic too. Hmm. 
That's what Matthew says. And he's you know, like non-committal about it. He's like, mm, mm, pat, pat on the head, Diana. Okay, go away. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but Diana's, you know, she's carrying on. She's like, what about this one? And she drew the stopper out of the blue-green liquid and the scent of summer garden filled the air. And then Matthew's like, that's made from Iris. Remember your search for the green ink in London? And she says, so this is what Master Platt's fantastically expensive ink looked like. Made from roots, imported from Florence, or so he said, and this is Matthew, and he surveyed the table and its blue, red, black, green, purple, and magenta pots of liquid. It looks like you have enough ink to keep you going for some time. And he was right. She had enough to get her through the next few weeks. And that was as far as she was willing to project, even if her left pinky was throbbing in anticipation of the future. And then she says, this should be plenty, even with all the jobs Sarah has for me. Each of the open jars at the table had a small slip of paper underneath with a note in her sprawling handwriting. Mosquito bites, read one. Better cell phone reception, read another. Her request made me feel like the server at a fast food restaurant. <laughs> Thanks for your help. I guess Sarah's putting out all these requests. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hook up my cell phone while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. she's, she's making her a to-do list and it's kind of like, really? I mean, what a relief for Sarah. She's like, thank God I have some help around yeah. here. Yep. You know? So Diana thanks him for his help. Matthew says anytime. So dot, dot, dot. That means we're in a different time and place. Over the next few days, the routines of daily life began to anchor us to the Bishop House and to each other. Even without the steadying presence of M, who had always been the house's center of gravity. So instead, Fernando's taken over that role. Uh, apparently, he's a domestic tyrant, according to this book. Mm-hmm. Far worse than M ever was. And his changes to Sarah's diet and exercise plan were radical and inflexible. <laughs> I kind of need that in my life Me right too. now. Yep. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He signed my aunt up for a CSA program that delivered a box of exotic vegetables like kale and chard every week. And he walked the property fence line with her whenever she tried to sneak a cigarette. This is like Fernando. This is like way ahead of its time in 2014 with kale being exotic. I know. (laughs) know. And everything. (laughs) Fernando cooked and cleaned and even plumped cushions. I need this in my life. Where is he? (laughs) I know. All of which had me wondering about his life with Hugh. And here's where we get some background on that. Since we were wondering when we didn't have servants, and this is Fernando explaining, and that was often the case, I kept the house. If I waited for Hugh to do it, we would have lived in squalor. He didn't pay (laughs) attention to such mundane matters as clean sheets or whether we had run out of wine. He was either writing poetry or planning a three month siege. There was no time in his day for domestic chores. Mine either. I need you for <laughs> you. <laughs> Diana wants to know. And Gallo Glass? And she was handing him a clothespin. I guess they were hanging clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gallo Glass is worse. Not even the furniture or lack of it matters to him. <laughs> Oh, Gal Glass is a world-class slob, according to Fernando. <laughs> we came home one night to find our house robbed and Gal Glass sleeping on the table like a Viking warrior ready to be sent out to sea. Oh, geez. Worse than a frat house. Besides, I enjoy the work. Keeping houses like preparing weapons for battle. It's repetitive and very soothing. His confession made me feel less guilty about letting him do all the cooking. I don't know why you were feeling guilty, Diana. I'd just let him go. Go ahead, Fernando. Right. Why is it her job to cook for everybody? Yeah. (laughs) Fernando's other domain, aside from the kitchen, was the tool shed. He cleared out what was broken, cleaned and sharpened what remained, and 
bought items he felt was missing, like a scythe. The edges on the rose secretors? Secretors? Is that it? I call them rose shears. I mean, I know what what the tool they're talking about is. How'd you say it, Angela? Cicadas. Cicadas? On the rose cicadas? Yeah, I I call them shears. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're now so keen that you could slice a tomato with them. I was reminded of all the wars that had been long fought using common household implements and wondered if Fernando was quietly arming us for combat. Yeah, all I would have yeah. is a stand mixer. I'll get you! <laughs> we have <laughs> a machete somewhere <laughs> for for the brush in the back part of the yard. but Right. <laughs> I have a chainsaw, so there's... <laughs> Yeah, but Robert won't let you use it. No. <laughs> Sarah, for her part, grumbled at the new regime, but went along with it. When she got cranky, which was often, she took it out on the house. It was still not fully awake, but periodic rumblings of activity reminded us that its self-imposed hibernation was drawing to a close. Most of its energy was directed at Sarah. Oh, God, poor lady. That's why it's like, there you go. Gotta be Stephen. One morning, we woke to find that all the liquor in the house had been dumped down the sink (laughs) and a makeshift mobile of empty bottles and silverware were attached to the kitchen light fixture. So clearly it's on Fernando's side with his (laughs) regimented diet. Right. He's encouraging him. The house is encouraging him. Matthew and I laughed, but as far as Sarah was concerned, this was war. From that moment, my aunt and the house were in an all-out battle for supremacy. And the house was winning. (laughs) Thanks to its chief weapon, Fleetwood Mac. Sarah had bashed Mom's old radio to bits two days after we found it um, during a never-ending concert of the chain. (laughs) The house retaliated by removing all of the toilet paper rolls from the bathroom cabinets and replacing them with a variety of electronic gadgets capable of playing music. It made for a rousing morning alarm. Oh, God. The Twilight Zone. I know. <laughs> Nothing deterred the house from playing selections from the band's first two albums. So is this still Stephen fucking with them? Yes. That's my vote. <laughs> that is my vote. <laughs> Not even Sarah's defenestration of the three record players. Oh, shit. An eight-track tape machine and an ancient dictaphone. The house simply diverted the music through the furnace, the bass notes reverberating in the ductwork while the treble wafted through the heating vents. Oh, my God. I'm still trying to figure out why, why they've got an ancient dictaphone. I'm sure the house kept all kinds of things and just like, hey, I found this thing. You throw out that thing, I bring out this thing. <laughs> with all of her ire directed at the house, Sarah was surprisingly patient and gentle with me. We had turned the still room inside out looking for mom's spell book, going so far to remove all of the drawers and shelves from the cabinet. Maybe that is uh, the house's plan to yeah. divert Sarah's attention and, and ire at it and not at, at Diana. Yeah. Yeah. You need to work with your knees. Sit down and yeah. It's a bait and switch. <laughs> you can take out your frustration on me. We found some surprising graphic love letters from the 1820s hidden beneath one drawer's false bottom and a macabre collection of rodent skulls tacked in orderly rows behind a sliding panel. Ew. I guess that nobody had dachshunds at the Bishop House because they would have just had the crunchy snacks instead. And there would have been no squirrels. With all the skulls. squirrel heads. Yeah, there would be no squirrel heads. 
but no spellbook. The house would present it when it was ready. When the music and memories of Emily and my parents became too overwhelming, Sarah and I escaped into the garden or in the woods. Today, my aunt had offered to show me where baneful plants could be found. The moon will be full dark tonight and the beginning of a new cycle of growth. It would be a propitious time for gathering up the materials for higher magic. Matthew followed us like a shadow as we wended our way through the vegetable patch and the teaching garden. When we reached her witch's garden, Sarah kept walking. A giant moonflower vine marked the boundary between the garden and the woods. It sprawled in every direction, obscuring the fence and the gate underneath. Matthew's being very gallant here. He's like, allow me, Sarah. And then he stepped forward to spring the latch. Until now, he had been sauntering behind us. That's more secret service than gallant. Yes, right. Ah, uh, well. Although, never mind. I, I, I'll talk about it in the extra after show. I wanted to make a couple observations about the president-elect's detail, which okay. are more suitable for the after show. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Okay. Until now, he had been sauntering behind us, seemingly interested in the flowers. But I knew that bringing up the rear placed him in the perfect defensive position. He stepped through the gate, made sure nothing dangerous lurked there, and then pulled the vine away so Sarah and I can pass through into another world. There were many magical places on the Bishop Homestead, oak groves dedicated to the goddess, long avenues between yew trees that were once old roads and still show the deep ruts of wagons laden with wood and produce for the market, even the old Bishop graveyard. But this little grove between the garden and the forest was my favorite. Dappled sunlight broke through its center, moving through the cypress that surrounded that place. In ages past, it might have been called a fairy ring because the ground was thick with toads stools and mushrooms. As a child, I had been forbidden to pick anything that grew there. Now I understand why. Every plant here was either baneful or associated with the darker aspects of the craft. Two paths intersected in the middle of the grove. Diana froze. A crossroads. And Sarah says, the crossroads have been here longer than the house. Some say these pathways were made by the Oneida before the English settled here. Come and look at this plant. Is it deadly nightshade or black nightshade? Instead of listening, I was completely mesmerized by the X in the middle of the grove. There was power there. Knowledge, too. I felt the familiar push and pull of desire and fear as I saw the clearing through the eyes of those who had walked through these paths before. What is it? Matthew asked, his instincts warning him that something was wrong. But other voices, though faint, had captured my attention. My mother and Emily, my father and grandmother, and others unknown to me. Wolfsbane, the voices whispered. Skullcap, devil's bit, adder's tongue, witch's broom. Their chant was punctuated with the warnings and suggestions and their litany of spells, including plants that featured in fairy tales. Gather sink foil when the moon is full to extend the reach of your power. Hellbore makes any disguising spell more effective. Mistletoe will bring you love and many children. To see the future more clearly, use a black henbane. And Sarah's like, what the fuck? Okay, right. Diana. <laughs> her hands are on her hips. And Diana's like, coming. <laughs> she was dragging her attention away from the faint voices and going obediently to her aunt's side. Sarah gave me all sorts of 
instructions about the plants in the grove. Her words went in one ear and out the other, flowing through me in a way that could have made my father proud. My aunt could recite all the common and botanical names for every wildflower, weed and root, and herb, as well as their uses, both benign and baneful. But her mastery was born of reading and study. I had learned the limits of book-based knowledge in Mary Sidney's alchemical laboratory when I was confronted for the first time with the challenges of doing what I had spent years reading and writing about as a scholar. There I had discovered that being able to cite alchemical texts was nothing when weighed against experience. But my mother and Emily were no longer here to help me. If I were going to walk the dark paths of higher magic, I was going to have to do it alone. The prospect terrified me. This it makes me mad because it's almost like academic snobbery. Yeah, I know. Kind of, and, and I'm stuck on that line. Sarah had no instinctive feel for what grew her. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That's, don't that's not possible. That's not a fair. That's not a fair assessment of Sarah. Just because yeah. Sarah doesn't have the flashy magic, she's like, you know what? She's got an instinctive feel for the plant. She yeah. knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, she had reading and background and study. After a while, that becomes rote to you, and you know it like the back of your hand. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I, I thought it was, she's kind of like, do you need her help? But you're also denigrating her skill. And that makes me sad. And also, in a way, I feel like she's denigrating her own past because she's a historian. All she could yeah. do was study it. Mm-hmm. So now that she's gone back in time and she's experienced some of the things she's read about, she feels she's superior, maybe. I, yes. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it comes across that way. So she says the prospect terrified me. Her doing it alone is what that's referring to. That's the tried and true feeling for Diana. I have to yeah. do it alone. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sarah's help isn't good enough. And uh, well, of course, my mother and Emily, who are both dad, would have been better help for me. Well, how do you know? And she that? doesn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> how do you know that Emily would have been able to help you? You don't. Yeah. You don't. Sarah's doing what she can. She, she, I think it's also born from the fact that she could never do all of those homely things. And even though she was a historian and, and book learned it, she couldn't manage to book learn uh, uh, spellcraft. Yeah. Granted, it was because she was a weaver, but still, it's, it, it's like criticizing people who learn differently, that you right. have a different learning style than you. And I, it's just not fair. And as someone who learns very differently than most people, mm-hmm. I, I'm the type of person that has to dive into it. And then when I hit an obstacle, I'm like, okay. YouTube. Yeah, yeah. This is the part I have to learn about. I have to yeah. go back and all, instead, like some people learn very well by reading all the theory and everything behind it and then yeah. tackling hands on. I have to go into it head first and look under look under the hood and see what the fuck is going on. And when I get stuck, <laughs> when I get stuck, that's when I refer to the stuff I need to read. Mm-hmm, right. yeah. And then that's how I pick through the weeds. But different people learn things different ways. And I think that's the difference here. Yeah. And one way isn't better than another. It's just one way is more suited to one person that, and another way is suited to another person. And I think with schools, they have a certain way. Well, one. When I was going through school, they have a certain way of teaching you things. They mm-hmm. teach you the theory of it. They teach you, 
here's the thing and here here's why we learn these things and I'm like I don't care I just want to do the thing right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then later if I'm interested I'll go back and read the theory of the case and see how that differs from what I have learned yes you know it takes a lot of yeah. unlearning that way so it, it's not necessarily better it's just different mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all it is okay so just before moonrise Sarah invited me to go back out with her to gather the plants she would need for this month's work I begged off claiming I was too tired to go along, but it was the insistent call of the voices at the crossroads that made me refuse. Matthew asks, does your reluctance to go into the wood tonight have something to do with your trip there this afternoon? He's he's on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Diana says, perhaps Sarah and Fernando are back. Sarah was carrying a basket full of greenery and the kitchen screen slammed shut behind her and the the still room door creaked open. A few minutes later, she and Fernando climbed the stairs. Sarah was wheezing less than she had last week. So Fernando's work is working. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's a trainer, too. Hello. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Come to me, Fernando. I need all of this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And Matthew's telling her, come to bed, turning back the covers. The night was dark, illuminated only by the stars. Soon it would be midnight, the moment between night and day. The voices at the crossroads grew louder. And then she's like, I gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. She pushed past Matthew and headed downstairs. And then Matthew's like, we have to go. I won't stop you or interfere, but you're not going into the woods by yourself. There's power there, Matthew. Dark power. I can feel it. And it's been calling me since the sunset. Damn it. God, this is like, it's so, so dramatic teenager here. I know. She's, she's acting like a dramatic teenager through this whole chapter. And I think this is why we see the growth here is because finally her emotionally arrested development is perking back to life like the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when you have to admit to yourself that you want it, you you need this yeah. power, yeah. you can feel it. That's that's jarring when you've been denying it to yourself this whole time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's a wreck anyway. <laughs> he took me by the elbow and propelled me out the front door. He didn't want anyone to hear the rest of this conversation. And then he's like, then answer its call. Say yes, say no, but don't expect me to sit here and wait quietly for you to return. And Matthew being the adult in the room is good for me. I I, I have to say it. Yes, exactly. I like it. And Diana's still being defiant. And if I say yes, and then Matthew's like, we'll face it together. We're at at a figurative crossroads. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And Diana says, I don't believe you. You told me before you didn't want me meddling with life and death. That's the kind of power that's waiting for me where the past cross in the woods. And I want it. It's not the power, it's the meddling. Yeah. He doesn't want the meddling. You can have the power and use it. And as if I think he's against the dabbling with it, it's like, make up your mind. You can't stand on the fence and dabble. And I think this is the crux of the problem. Her next mm-hmm. admission right here. I hate myself for wanting this it. Mirrors but I do. the conversation with Hamish so much about him, Matthew, wanting Diana's blood or being mm-hmm. drawn to her. And it's the same thing where she finally says it. I want it. And she, it's like a relief. But yet she hates herself. She hates herself for doing this, for wanting it. But uh, I don't know. I don't think I've ever found myself for hating myself for wanting something. No. Well, in a funny way, it's like she's hating herself for wanting to be closer to her mother. Like, yeah, like, kind of in a way. It's kind of like since they were back in time and came back, she had uh, has an adult connection with her father and they're both weavers and everything else. But by want, you know, she, maybe she feels she's being disloyal to see Stephen by wanting to have the power that would bring her closer to her mother. 
Like she's she's still in that teenager. It's an either or kind of thing, as opposed to a both and both I and think I thing. See it the same way, mm-hmm. but the difference is, I think she's got that deep seated thing in her that makes her shy away from her magic and it comes and goes at this point yeah but now she wants the full deal and like old her is like yeah no no, we're not supposed to want that hello again it's like matthew when they had the discussion in shadow of night about her blood and he she said you lied to me and he said i lied to myself and i think that's what's happening here with diana she spent all these years trying to just be the historian and yeah, tamp right. down her magic. And now she realizes, I want to be who I'm supposed to be. I want it all. She's, she's, yes. she's, all she's it. She thinks she's she's being Veruca Salt here or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Give it to me. I want it all. Right. Before she can take it in doses. And that was okay for her. But now she's like, nah, nah, just pour the whole thing out on my lawn. I want the whole thing. You know? right. I yeah. want it all. Right. I turned from the revulsion that I knew that would be in his eyes. Matthew turned my face back towards him. And uh, revulsion, that's that's probably a piece of it, too. She thought Matthew would hate her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've known that the darkness was in you since I found you in the Bodleian, hiding from other witches on Maybon. My breath caught. His eyes held mine. Seriously, Diana, you're surprised? (laughs) (laughs) He's basically repeating back the speech she gave him in the chapel. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is her chapel. I mean, this is her chapel right here. This is her pagan chapel. I felt its allure and the darkness in me responded to it. Should I loathe myself then? Matthew's voice dropped to a barely audible whisper. Should you? But you said, I said, I didn't want you to meddle with life and death. Not that you couldn't do so. Matthew took my hands in his. I've been covered in blood, held a man's future in my hand, decided if a woman's heart would beat again. Something in your own soul dies each time you make the choice for another. I saw what Juliet's death did to you and Champier's too. And Diana's like, I didn't have a choice in those cases. Not really. Champier would have taken all my memories and hurt the people who were trying to help me. Juliet was trying to kill Matthew and would have succeeded had I not called on the goddess. And Matthew says, yes, you did. You chose death for them just as you chose life for me, life for Louisa and Kit, even though they tried to harm you. Life for Jack when you brought him to his house in the Blackfriars instead of leaving him on the street to starve. Life for baby Grace when you rescued her from the fire. Whether you realize it or not, you paid a price every time. And uh, Diana's like, I knew the price I paid for Matthew's survival, though he did not. My life belonged to the goddess for as long as she saw fit. Philippe was the only other creature I've ever known who made life or death decisions as quickly and instinctively as you. The price that Philippe paid was terrible loneliness, one that grew over time. Not even Isabeau could banish it. Matthew rested his forehead against mine. I don't want that to be your fate. His terrible loneliness was probably after they time walked. Yeah, yeah. I think so. There yeah. are, I was going to say it, it grew because he couldn't share that with, he was carrying secrets he couldn't share with anyone mm-hmm. but Galaglass. Yeah. Who wouldn't come back until the 18th century. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, imagine carrying that secret for so long and mm-hmm. not have to say anything. Oh, God. Yeah, that's tough. Secrets going to kill y'all. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. But my fate was not my own. It was time to tell Matthew so. And so here she goes. Get the popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> the show is starting. The night I save you. Do you remember it? <laughs> Matthew nodded. 
He didn't like to talk about the night. We both almost lost our lives. No, not many people do. <laughs> no, it's not a pleasant conversation. Yeah. <laughs> the maiden and the crone were there. Two aspects of the goddess. My heart was hammering. We called Isabel after you fixed me up, and I told her I'd seen them. She searched his face for signs of understanding, but he still looked bewildered. He's like, what? What are you talking about? What are you getting at? <laughs> I didn't save you, Matthew. The goddess did. I asked her to do it. His fingers dug into my arms. Tell me you didn't strike a bargain with her in exchange. Wait, like before, before you go on, is that significant to you that the maiden and the crone were there, not the third aspect? The, the mother was there. It was Diana. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Is it, Diana's supposed that, to be the mother? Yeah, yes. I think uh, Diana is, is, still hasn't realized that all three, you know, wait a minute. It wasn't just something the goddess did for you because the goddess was the maiden. Bridget was the crone and Diana was the mother. So I, I, I think it's just the power, the goddess appearing was the final puzzle piece for the power, for the power to be, <laughs> it's like kind of the power ranger, all three power rangers. Yes, the wonder triplets <laughs> unite or activate. Uh, activate. <laughs> right. And she is the mother of the new generation. I mean, mm-hmm. it even sets so. There's our Spoiler. There's a foreshadowing. Uh, there yep. was an, yep. this is an anvil moment. <laughs> Yes. (laughs) Sound effects, please. (laughs) I asked her to do it. So she's like, yeah, save Matthew. Uh, Please. Thank you. (laughs) And and Matthew's kind of pissed. And she says, you were dying and I didn't have enough power to heal you. And then she gripped his shirt. My blood wouldn't have been enough, but the goddess drew the life out of the ancient oak tree so I can feed it to you through my veins. Now, I have to stop and think about it. And I didn't think about it before, but she wove that spell herself. I'm inside you giving you life. That part did not appear. What did she draw her power from in the TV show? It wasn't the oak tree. No, they were she, in a barn. Made, she yeah. made she made that the TV show was literally a deal with the goddess. Yes. It yeah, it was a ball face yeah. deal. It's nowhere near as subtle as the book. I think they streamlined it for yeah. future plot development. But the goddess drew the life out of that ancient oak tree so I can feed it to you through my veins. And Matthew's like, okay, what what do you owe her? <laughs> and <What>? return? <laughs> and in return, your gods and goddesses don't grant boons without getting something back. Philippe taught me that. Wow, that's a really harsh, harsh assessment of his religion. His his was like well, his his assessment of Matthew's religion probably wasn't much better, but right. still it's right. a little bit more elegant than dealing with making it sound like you're dealing with a loan shark. Right. <laughs> and Baldwin put it like this, which kind of cleared things up for me. It's like, yeah, Christianity is transactional, yep. man. You just go in there, confess yourself and go out and yeah. kill some more people. It's cool. Clear the, <laughs> clear the ledger and start all over again. <laughs> right. It's like going bankrupt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Boom. Done. Oh. <laughs> uh, I told her to take any anyone, anything, so long as she saved you. Matthew let go abruptly. Emily? No. I shook my head. The goddess wanted a life for life, not a death for life. She chose mine. And her eyes filled with tears at the look of betrayal I saw in his face. I didn't know her decision until I wove my first spell. I saw her then. The goddess said she still had work for me to do. And Matthew, the fixer that he is, he's like, <laughs> we're gonna fix this. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, the only thing that's missing, missing is him running his hand 
hands through his hair. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Matthew practically dragged me in the direction of the garden gate. Under the dark sky, the moonflowers that covered it were the only signposts to illuminate our way. We reached the crossroads quickly. Matthew pushed me to the center. He's like, all right, go fix it. This you is annoying. It. This is super annoying. He's forcibly dragging her and then saying, fix it. As if he's uh, you know, so knowledgeable on the 10th knot. Yeah. Call her up now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like when uh, we were kids and we asked my mom to buy something. She's like, I don't have enough money. We were like, write a check. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) That's what my kids used to do. Go to the ATM. You just get money that way. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Help. So Diana says, we can't. If you can weave the tenth knot, you can dissolve whatever promise you made with the goddess. And it's That's like, no, it doesn't. Shit, this shit does not work that way, dude. That's right. Bring back the lady. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> no, this is Diana. My stomach clenched and my chest started to burn. I can't just wave my hand and make our agreement disappear. The dead branches of, of an ancient oak, the one that the goddess had sacrificed so that Matthew would live, were barely visible. Under my feet, the earth seemed to shift. I looked down and saw that I was standing in the center of the crossroads. The burning sensation in my heart extended down to my arms and into my fingers. You will not bind your future to some capricious deity, not for my sake. And Matthew said, his voice shaking with fury. Urgh, he's angry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't speak ill of the goddess here. This is Diana warning him. I didn't go to your church and mock your god. If you won't break your promise to the goddess, then use your magic to summon her. You know how you do. <laughs> do as you do. Like kazoo, it's like kazoo on. on the Flintstones. <laughs> that dum dum is where I have to draw the line. Yes, dum dum. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Matthew joined me where the paths converged. Get out of the crossroads, Matthew. The wind was swirling around my feet in a magical storm. Cora shrieked through the night sky, trailing fire like a comet. She circled around us, crying out in warning. Not until you call her. You, fuck, where's my cell phone? Call her. Yeah. God. <laughs> You won't pay for my life with with your own. And Diana's like, it was my choice. Her hair was crackling around her face. Fiery tendrils writhing against my neck. I chose you. Okay. See, this is the part where she looks scary in my head. Yes. <laughs> let me back the fuck away. And Matthew's like, I won't let you. And Diana's like, it's already done. If the goddess wants me to fulfill some purpose of hers, then I'll do it gladly because you're mine and I'm not done with you yet. She has spoken. Wow. Damn it. Yeah. And little does he know that Philippe offered her up, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My final words were almost identical to those the goddess had said once to me. They rang with power, quieting the wind and silencing Cora's cries. The fire in my veins subsided, the burning sensation becoming a smoldering heat as the connection between Matthew and me tightened. The links that bound us shining and strong. You cannot make me regret what I asked the goddess for or any price I've paid because of it, I've said. Nor will I break my promise to her. Have you thought about what would happen if I did? Matthew remained silent, listening. Without you, I would never have known Philippe or received his blood vow. I wouldn't be carrying your children. I wouldn't have seen my father or known I was a weaver. Don't you understand? In saving your life, I saved mine too. 
All right. That's the truest hmm. thing I've read today. Mm-hmm. Here yep. we go. And Matthew seemed to have calmed down. He's like, what does she want you to do? <laughs> and Diana's like, I don't know. But, <laughs> but there's one thing I'm sure of. The goddess needs me alive to do it. I think Matthew. Matthew's jumping to the conclusion that somebody's going to turn her into a tree. Like all those or Greek something. gods. The Greek gods all like to do. Turn her into a tree. Turn her into Medusa. Whatever. She's going to get turned into something. That would be a scary process if I were Matthew, though, I, I, I kind of understand is like, no, you better call her and tell her. To- yeah, well, especially her being pregnant. Yeah, this isn't any different than Matthew making making the decision about whether she was ready to have sex with him or not, too. Yes. It's like, let her True. have her autonomy here. She knows what's going on. And, and she, that's, I mean, it's kind of the tail part of this conversation they're having tracks like that. It's like, finally, he realizes like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. She's giving consent and I can't like deny her her consent because this is not a decision I'm involved in really and truly. Right. I'm it's affected by it, but it's not a decision I can force on her because we all saw how that happened. He ended up was totally irrational, even more so than usual. I mean, in that last passage. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thankfully, he has calmed down at this point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Matthew's hand came to rest on the space between my hips where our children slept. I felt a soft flutter. Another. I looked at him in alarm. His hands flexed over my skin, pressing slightly, and there was a stronger flicker of movement in my belly. Is something wrong? I asked. Not at all. The babies, they've quickened. Matthew's expression was odd as well as relieved. See, this wasn't bad, guys. Come on, no. guys. Well, and the funny thing is, is she, this is going to sound weird, but like in a legal sense, she affirmed her contract with the goddess. Yeah. Out loud yeah. to a witness here, which I think may, made it more real. It's better than he knew anyway, too. Yeah. I agree with that, Gene. And it brings me back to the line that was just read. Uh, the connection between Matthew and me tightened. The links that bound us shining and strong. Remember in the beginning of A Discovery Witch, it was, it was rusty and old yeah, and yeah. long forgotten. Yeah. And now and it's janky. coming to light. Yeah, yeah janky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's in perfect working condition. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of another marriage ceremony. I yes. mean, they keep going through them. It's like, God, okay. It's like they're constantly getting married. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just reaffirm their vows, apparently. So she said, is something wrong and then Matthew says not at all the babies they've quickened and Matthew's expression was odd as well as relieved we waited together for the next flurry of activity within me when it came Matthew and I both laughed caught up in unexpected joy see this wasn't so bad guys calm down (laughs) just just wait wait for another month or so when they decide they're all restless and you see little elbows cruising through your belly and everything else you're not going to be so happy and giggly then oh my god first time i saw that on myself i was like whoa yeah like an alien (laughs) so they were caught up in this unexpected joy and she tilted back her head the stars seemed brighter keeping the darkness of the new moon in balance with the light the crossroads were silent and the sharp need i had felt to be out under the dark moon had passed come on it was not death that brought me here but life hand in hand matthew and i went back to the house when i turned on the kitchen light something unexpected was waiting for me it's a bit soon for someone to have left me a birthday present and when matthew moved forward to examine it more closely i put it out of hand and stopped him don't touch it Hey, she's getting smart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He looked at me in confusion. It's got enough magical wards on it to repel an army, Diane explained. The package was thin and rectangular. An odd assortment of wrapping paper had been patched together to cover it. (laughs) 
<laughs> Pink paper with storks, paper covered with primary colored inchworms, forming the shape of a number four, garish Christmas tree wrapping paper, and silver foil with embossed wedding bells. A bouquet of bright bows covered its surface. Well, the house is not good at wrapping presents, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew's like, where did it come from? The house, I think. I poked it with my finger. I recognized some of the wrapping paper from birthdays past. Matthew's like, are you sure it's for you? Then he looked dubious. And then Dinah's like, yep, that's for me. (laughs) She gingerly picked it up. Uh, The bows had been used before and therefore lacked adhesive. And then they slipped off and rained down on the kitchen island. Shall I get Sarah? This is Matthew. No, I've got it covered. My hands were tingling and every rainbow stripe was in evidence as I removed the wrapping paper. Inside was a composition book, the kind with a black and white cover and pages sewn together with thick string. Do they even make those anymore still? They don't have the string anymore, though. They're they're bound by glue, but I remember the ones bound by string. Yeah. 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 We still have to buy composition books. Yeah. Yeah. I think my mom still has one with the, it's almost, it's like, almost like twine. Yeah. I had some of those. I think they still made them back in the like late 80s like that. I know they did. Someone had glued a magenta daisy over the white box for your name and wide rule had been edited to read witch's rule. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right. Rebecca Bishop's Book of Shadows, I said, reading aloud from the words written in thick black ink on the daisy. This is my mother's missing spell book, the one she used for higher magics. I'm like, really? I remember <laughs> reading this. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you expect this wonderful book, like right. bound yes, and, and leather gilded and, and <laughs> carved. It turns out it's a composition notebook. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked open the cover after all of our problems with Ashmole 782. I was braced for anything from mysterious illustrations to encoded script. Instead, I found my mother's round, childish handwriting. To summon up a spirit recently dead and question it was the first spell in the book. And I'm like, man, what's this girl into? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, a Ouija board would have worked. Yeah. <laughs> For Kel or even a magic eight ball at this point. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Mom certainly believed in starting with a bang, I said, showing Matthew the words on the page. The notes beneath the spell recorded the dates when she and Emily had tried to work the magic, as well as the results. Their first three attempts had failed. On the fourth try, they succeeded. Both of them were 13 at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And Matthew's like... Christ, they were babes. What business did they have with the dead? I don't know. Apparently, they wanted to know if Bobby Woodruff, like Mary Bassett, I said, peering at the cramped script. And then Matthew's like, why didn't they just ask Bobby Woodruff? <laughs> That's no fun. Yes. Know. You know the note you pass, yes or no. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's my style. <laughs> right. Or that little fortune teller thing. Yes. You no. know, pick A, B, C, or D. <laughs> I flipped through the pages, binding spells, banishing spells, protection spells, charms to summon the elemental powers. They were all in there, along with love magic and other coercive enchantments. My fingers stop. Matthew sniff. Something thin and almost transparent was pressed into a page inserted in the back of the book. Scrawled above it in a more mature version of the same round hand were the words, Diana, happy birthday. 
I kept this for you. It was our first indication that you were going to be a great witch. Maybe you'll need this one day. Lots of love, mom. And then she goes, it's my call. Like, yeah. <laughs> so she asks, do you think it's meaningful that I got it back on the same day that the baby's quicken? And Matthew's like, no, it's far more likely that the house gave it back to you tonight because you finally stopped from running from what your mother and father knew since the very beginning. She's like, OK, what's that? That you were going to possess an extraordinary combination of your parents. Very different magical abilities, he replied. The tenth knot burned on my wrist. I turned over my hand and looked at its writhing shape. So apparently that was the right answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can tie the tenth knot, I said, understanding for the first time where the power came from. I can create because my father was a weaver and I can destroy because my mother had the talent for the higher, darker magics. Mm, harkens me back to a discovery of witches where mm-hmm. they're like too powerful, the two of them. Yep. A union of opposites, Matthew said. Your parents were an alchemical wedding too, one that produced a marvelous child. Oh, Matthew, you're biased. Anyway, yes. <laughs> I closed the spell book carefully. It would take me months, years perhaps, to learn from my mother's mistakes and create spells of my own that would achieve the same ends. With one hand pressing my mother's spell book to my sternum and the other pressed against my abdomen, I lean back and listen to the slow beating of Matthew's heart. Do not refuse me because I am dark and shadowed, I whispered, remembering our passage from an alchemical text I studied in Matthew's library. That line from the Aurora Consurgeons used to remind me of you, but now it makes me think of my parents as well as my own magic and how hard I resisted it. Matthew's thumbs struck my wrist, bringing the tenth knot to brilliant, colorful life. This reminds me of another part of the Aurora Consurgeons, he murmured, as I am the end. So my lover is the beginning. I encompass the whole work of creation and all knowledge is hidden in me. Water. Mm. Makes us, makes me think of our old analysis too, where we figured out all four of the elements were involved in these yeah. passages as well. Yeah. So what do you think it means? I turned my head so I can see his expression. He smiled and his arm circled my waist, one hand now resting on the babies. They moved as if recognizing their father's touch. That I'm a lucky man. Aww. And that's the end, guys. So what do you think? What what are the things you are thinking about right now? Just the full circle. Yeah, I think we just got a huge lesson here in that uh, opposites make you stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seeking out somebody different but complimentary to you is going to make you stronger than just being with people just like you. True. In, in a agree. very simplistic way. <laughs> I agree. Not that I believe anyone completes another person, but I th- do think two people can complement each yeah. other in such a way mm-hmm. where a union is where it needs to be. Yes. Yeah. It just seems to me things are coming full circle where a discovery of witches was a sketch. This is more filling in with vibrant colors and puzzle mm-hmm. pieces. Kind yeah. Of like Diana's table, maybe. Now we're seeing the full picture. That yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Anything else before we gavel this thing? I was thrilled to see our supposition and, and all of our analysis confirmed and writing right in the book. I pretty much cheered in yes. 2014. In 2014. <laughs> 2014. I'm like, hey. Yeah, it's like, we were right. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an amazing moment. Yeah, very good. One of the few amazing moments we had in to, the book of life. As opposed yeah. to my many forays into bizarro world. <laughs> <laughs> Right. This time we waded through the woods and we came out with the right answer. Yep. 
<laughs> it was celebratory. We had a good time. All right, going once, going twice, guys. So so. All right, let's go on to housekeeping. Housekeeping this time is brought to us by Nancy Forster. Thank you, Thank Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Housekeeping. All right, so who wants to start? We have a speak fight from Retta. Yay! Yay. Hello, demons. This is your witch, Retta. I've been listening to back issues because I didn't know this existed back in 2016, 17, 18. I learned about this through the TV show. Yay. And I just got done listening to your December of 2016 and your goals for the upcoming year. And I want to know, were you able to stick to them? Meaning, uh, to paraphrase, to be more optimistic. Did that work out at all for you? I know it didn't for me until this past Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I am one, and my woman's going to be the first VP. I just wondered, were you able to keep the optimism? If you did, well, that's why your demons and you're better than me. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if we were optimistic. Love, witches and vampires and demons. I don't know if we kept the optimism, we just kept the fire going. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I remember that episode too. I was just talking about that the other day when we were like, you know, the whole election and we we're all kind of down and <laughs> our New Year's goal was to be more optimistic. Oh God. And, this year? <laughs> oh God. Well, I think we're more optimistic as of like last Saturday. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I mean, four so, scenes total landscaping yay (laughs) (laughs) you go through it right so we had four years this podcast is as old as the presidency was um we started in september 2016 then we went through the election in november and i'm pretty sure right after that we had our first holiday episode yes and we did have our new year's goals and we're like okay we're gonna try to be optimistic i think we did well for what we were dealt with yeah yeah, I, I think the hand I mean, we were dealt. I think the last two years have been the most tumultuous. Yeah, well, yes. it's because it, it's been so um, outrageous. Yeah, in, in, in a in a yeah, I never would have in in a incredulous. I never would have thought it would go their way. Outrageous, right? Yeah. When we heard those things prior to 2016's election, it's. I mean, granted, we weren't for the current administration. But as an American, you always hope the best for your country. And we you don't fathom the worst. <laughs> we don't yeah. fathom the worst. And so when there are things, some lines that you just don't cross. And apparently some all of them the things been. that people all the hyper quote unquote hyperbole. When that starts coming true, that's when the panic sets in and you're like, whoa, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. And you never want to be that person that goes against what the administration is, especially me as a veteran and somebody that served in the military. I don't know how it is for any, that's the only lens I have. So you never want to go against, you know, the commander in chief and his vision for the country. And of course the people that believe in him. But when you look at it, you're just like, seriously? (laughs) 
So uh, I think we did rather well considering the circumstances we were in. I mean, in 2016, a friend of mine was in the midst of reading and writing and actually finishing up writing like a dystopian version of the West Wing where you had an authoritarian GOP guy come to power and everything went to hell in a handbasket. And like the last four years, I'm like... Are you fucking kidding me, <laughs> Cecilia? This is turning right. into nonfiction. Thankfully, it never feel, got as bad as the book. I feel did, like but. the three of us had our own, you know, like for Jean, you as a lawyer, you seeing things going across, I mean, clearly illegal. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it's like the antithesis of everything you've been taught. And and just so, even with the, the undergrad experience I had on Capitol Hill, some of the stuff that's going on, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I was a college student. And I knew better than to do that. And then Angela, you know, working with the financial markets, the things you've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And then me working for, you the know, military. the, the department for the military. I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, how are we even going to get through this, guys? You yeah. know? So I, I think it was maybe especially alarming for the three of us. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, the whole world saw it. So. Yeah. And I want to say the people that listen to us who are maybe Trump supporters, listen, we know what you're going through. We know what you're going through and um, no hate from us. OK, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to put that out there. When we were waiting for the results, I'm my survival mechanism is to compartmentalize. So when we were waiting for the results, I was like, just keep in mind, no matter who's elected, you still have to do the laundry in the morning. You still have to do the dishes. You still have to sweep the floor. You still have to get the kids up. So just keep it real. Right. Let's keep it real. None of us moved to Canada like we threatened. We're still here. They weren't going to let us in anyway. Yeah, no. Which is like the ironic thing. We can't even go to Canada. (laughs) So now what's playing out is just kind of, okay, all right. I don't know what game you guys are playing at, but just, you know, January 20th, we know who's going to be the president. And that's just it. There's no amount of talking your way out of it. So Pope even said so. Can I can I make a segue to Canada? Yes. We got a five star review from a friend from the north. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Five star review. Another fan slash friend from the north country from Echo Echo Go from Canada on Apple. Apple podcasts. And they, yay, they yay. say, I, enjoy, I enjoyed this book series. So I went off in search of a podcast to enhance the experience before the TV show aired. I binged all the back shows. It felt like listening to a group of friends. In fact, I often find myself talking back to them. <laughs> Love the insights into the background of the stories. The sense of humor is outrageously fun. Even this baby boomer gets the jokes. Oh, wow. wow. Thank you. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, thank you. I, we used to get that a lot when people back when people weren't staying at home and you know mm-hmm. people would commute to work and yell at us in their car. Yes. <laughs> we used to get that a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I talk to you often in my car. Yes. <laughs> I hope it was a good conversation, guys. Oh, I hope we hold up our end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for that review. That's awesome. I have one from Barbara, guys. Yay. Hey, Hey, Barbara. Uh, She goes, Divas, thanks, Jean, for that hilarious third lead comment. It reinforces the image I get when beginning chapter 10. (laughs) 
<laughs> Chapter nine ended with Matthew ahem, taking Diana's temperature, and Chapter ten begins with the next morning with Diana stumbling down the stairs. <laughs> Sorry. And Sarah says the house was awfully quiet last night. To which Diana replied, "Really? I didn't notice." <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Okay. Ditch drive, she says. I always picture Sarah saying this with a slight smirk on her face as if she heard exactly what went on last <laughs> night. And Diana trying her best to avoid that knowing look from her aunt. Blush, blush. Once again, you wonderful ladies, tweak my minds to see things in a different light. I can't thank you enough. Peace and love, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. <sighs> I love our listeners. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they keep us going. Oh, seriously. God, yes. That's how we got through these last three, yes. four years. Yes, exactly. You guys. All right. With that said, let's go on to Save It For The Show. This episode of Save It For The Show is brought to us by Becca Vork. Thank you. Thank you, Becca. And per- probably a perfect sponsor for our, our topic for Save It For The Show this week. It's informal etiquette in the fandom. Suggestions from your friendly demon. Yes. <laughs> Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. How to make life and our little bubble more fun and more pleasant. So lead us in this discussion, Gene. Uh, well, I'll lead it. We have so many wonderful fans in this group that when people stumble in who don't know the temperature, know the temperature or read the room or recognize the dynamic that's in place, it's all the more glaring. And in, in the instances that I've run into here and in other fandoms mo- most recently re- really stand out like a sore thumb only because that we run into the attitude so rarely. And for me, it's lately it's been a uh, discovery of witches fandom is is a primarily female fandom. It's overwhelmingly female fans. A lot of them are older fans, maybe their first fandom, but it's very woman centric. Uh, same thing can be said about just about every romance fandom that I'm in. And I've seen this same problem happening there. And, and some of the examples are actually from there and are all the more glaring than I want to throw out that, you know, we're woman centric, but we're not women exclusive. Mm-hmm. So, no, not at know, all. And, and, and men are men. Men are very welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, non-binary. Everyone, everyone is welcome. But there's some general I don't know, politeness involved. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it, I mean, it's kind of the same societal rules too. It's like, um, the thing I've noticed most often is that it, it's the not read the room thing. And you, you, you come into a new space and it's like you're hopping on an airplane and you manspread and take up the whole aisle. Hello. <laughs> Only to do it verbally. I mean, I, I've seen this happen so many times where a, a new male fan comes into into a fandom and thinks everybody there is there to hang on his every word. Yeah. And most recently, this did not happen in a Discovery Witches fandom. This happened in another fandom. Person jumps jumps into an author group, flurry of posts informing us what our fandom's about and what mm. we all have basically it, there was a lot of we it's like he thought you guys we. needed a mission statement i guess yes apparently <laughs> along with hey it's my birthday i would love it if author x wished me a happy birthday like the day after Whoa. this person joins <laughs> wow 
Wow. <laughs> then brings up the birthday a couple more times, which is even more ironic because two of her closest assistants, including the gal who runs her group, has a birthday the same week. Oh. Her personal assistant shares a birthday with me, which was the day before this dude's birthday. Mm. Um, of course, nobody ever mentions that, but they're the ones, you know, they do the laboring, all the laboring work. But anyways, the worst part is, is this person also turns out to be a writer in a different genre. Okay. Mm. And it's like, hey, Author X inspired me to like try my hand at writing sex scenes. Here's my first one. You want to read it? Oi. Plops it in the group. You know what's glaring about those type of invasions, though? It's There's kind of a subset of women that glom onto that. Yes, 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 yes. I would agree to that as well. It's like, oh, like, oh, it's, it's penis attention. My hero. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, we need we need your input because you're a man and you're going to think better of it than or think better at it than we are yeah well that didn't happen that so just, much that didn't happen so much in the romance group but still it was like right. wow that's pretty ballsy dump, dumping your writing into somebody else's group and it wasn't that good that <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great in my final thing on that is new female fans wouldn't think to do that it's just and i've seen it and right. we've seen this in like a discovery of witches that inevitably if a fan comes into the group and it's like their first time reading it and they're like dropping posts like i finished chapter this you know the the status update post and this is what i think and that is what i think and da 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 da, da. it's never the female fans that do that kind of stuff it's the male fans like, yeah. Like, hey, this is my personal blog post. Now I'm going to walk you through the whole book. And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's almost the attitude you get. You're but welcome. I, like, you know, it's like the guy that mansplains in a meeting. Mm-hmm. I guess and we, where you're like, I just said that five minutes ago. Yeah. I, I <laughs> you know? guess we shouldn't be surprised our fandoms are a microcosm of society, but it's, it certainly seems like they're amplified in a way. And in light of the overwhelming kindness and wanting to keep it a, a pleasant space, so many Everybody sits on their hands and nobody wants to say, hey, dude, you really need to dial it back. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, like I said, this is my first fandom experience mm-hmm. as far as, as Discovery Witches. But I would say the closest experience I had to that online was back when I used to do with uh, graphic design groups before I mm-hmm. you know, even went to school with it when I was just dabbling. Yeah. And I would join these uh They were bulletin boards at the time. This is way before Facebook. I joined these bulletin boards just to try to get other ideas and Mm -hmm. try to see what the hell I was entering into this Mm -hmm. world. Yeah. And um, Photoshop was uh, Photoshop 5 at the time. I mean, it was was very, very brand new. (laughs) So this is my first time with Photoshop. So I'm wandering into this. And there was this one guy who honestly, and I was kind of very amateur at the time. But his work wasn't that much better than mine. (laughs) Do Do you know what I mean? But everybody... Glommed. I mean, this was a mostly female group. Um, mm-hmm. It was a Photoshop group. He's like, yeah, I got hired on. He worked at some graphic design company, like mm-hmm. one of those shoestring graphic design company. And he had a couple contracts. So he thought he knew everything he was talking about. Uh, and most most of the work put up there was like digital painting, you know, flashing gifts. And you got to remember, this is like the year 2000. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's advanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flash 
flashing gifts and look at what I did and look at this thing. And But he would come up with these mundane things and everybody would just drop on the ground. You're, you're a god. Only because he had an actual working contract. He was actually yeah. doing it for a living. But I'm like thinking to myself, well, that's trash. I can do better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... Uh, I, I guess I see where you're coming from in that, where it's like, why do we make ourselves smaller? Just yeah, and that was my thought process at the time. Why do we make ourselves smaller so somebody else can feel big and bad? Right, mm-hmm. and everybody, every he would get like private messages all the time. Please help me do this. Please help me. And I, where I would post, I'll help you do that. Just email me. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, and yeah. how how would it have been if the roles were reversed? Let's say it was you going into an all guys group. They probably wouldn't have fawned all over you. They'd have been like, keep up or sink. You know? Yeah, well, they would have, they would have probably shouted me down mm-hmm. and said, you know, and I've seen this You're actually. Gr- Star Wars. You're a girl. How do you know more than me? Right. Star or, Wars and I see this like in, that. right now I see this in podcast editing groups. I haven't been a podcast editor forever. This is just in the past four years. When I wanted to learn more about editing or a podcast, I would see women come up with these solutions like, uh, how do I break this down in a way where it's like when you go in your microphone, yeah. mm-hmm. you get this popping P, which is called a plosive. And so one girl came up and said, you know how I fix that? I just highlight that plosive and I click fade in and it brings it down. And one guy just came in and that's not the proper way to do it. The proper way to do it is you have to figure out these channels. You have to do this. <laughs> you have to do that. And he came out with this whole complicated solution when her way just works fine. Highlight it, click fade in and it'll fade in the sound and it won't be so popping. And all the guys were just, I swear to God, mansplaining this girl. And then I went in and I'm like, her way works just the same as your complicated ways. So I'm going with her way. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's how you that's how you get rid of those popping peas. Because that's like a uh, you don't want to hear that in your yeah. in your listening. Hey, experience. someone died in Chicago over that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pop that gum one more time. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I see that. I still see it today. And uh, now the women are standing up for themselves. They're like, you know, I just offered this as a solution. I didn't need the whole manual on, you know, a phonic or whatever program yeah. they were working mm-hmm. on because he came up with his five step way to get rid of the same sound that she got rid of just by highlighting and click fade in. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Easy. So I, I get it. I understand. I mean, how many of you guys out there feel that way? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, I, I know most of our, our listeners are of the p- female persuasion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, write us in. Tell us how you feel. Yeah. Or give us examples. I don't know. That's all I had yeah, to add. I'm I sorry. mean, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and I, and I, I think at the, it's it, there was a very glaring example. But I think the biggest thing is, is like when you go into any new situation, what you really should be doing is learning the culture and taking the temperature of the room and I see less and less of that happening. Yeah. Mm. Where does the mansplaining come from though? Mansplaining? 
or the man spreading or both. I mean, they're one and the same, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pre- it's society. It's, I, think. I think it's society and it's a presumption. And I think part of the thing is it becomes amplified in a fandom because especially in a social media type of platform is you don't want to be perceived as the one that's you want to be nice, just like in real life. But even I think it's amplified even more so. Yeah. And I think and a lot of it is, is that in the various genres and in the kind of like the book fandoms that are mostly female based with the Sarah Moss fandoms kind of the same too. It's overwhelmingly female. There's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very almost overwhelmingly welcoming kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some people come in thinking that's, okay, that's licensed for me to do whatever I want because yeah. everybody's going to let yeah. me. And that, yeah. you know, it, it, being nice doesn't mean everybody's a doormat either. I think that's a human thing more than a male thing. That's yeah. like, if whatever I can get away with is what I'm going to get away with. And the thing is though, at least lately, and I, and I, by no means are all male fans like this. It just seems like the most egregious examples that have come up lately yeah. have been male fans. And I like, and I think it also feeds into the other thing you brought up, Valerie, that there's always going to be a subsection of, of fans in there who are going to hang on their every word. Yeah. Yeah. That allow it. And that, that allow it and that feed it. Yeah. But when you think about it, it's like when you've got a fandom of 10 or 20,000, a group of 10 or 20,000 people and you've got six women in there feeding it, it's kind of like, oh God, can they just all shut up already? Can you stop? Yeah. Can please stop it? Yeah. Make yeah. him stop. <laughs> don't post, don't post your bare feet up there. Ew. <laughs> I mean, we haven't seen a lot of that in the fandom. We've certainly seen examples in our fandom oh, yeah. and in other. And I like I said, I get around. I get around. <laughs> I've seen it in other. Yeah. <laughs> and frankly, it was the other fandom that really set me off, which is why I, with TV coming back up, I don't want us to end up with something like that going on. I really don't. Yeah. Now, this is not us being fandom police. No, 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 no. Do, do your thing. All we can do is police ourselves. Yes. Which is hard enough job. Thank you very much. We don't want to police the rest of the No, fandom. we're not signing up for that job. Thank you very little. <laughs> Thank you very much. Nope. Angela, do you have anything to add to that? I don't. Just what I had said before. I mean, and just made the comment that I don't know. I, I feel like some people, I don't want to say at fault, but if you allow it to happen, it's going to happen. That's true. And I, and I think, I say, I just conversely, like I had the example of the guys group. They don't allow it to happen. No. <laughs> it's it, Maybe it's more about ego for them. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And just because people aren't saying anything doesn't mean people aren't being made uncomfortable by it. Right. That's true. Because we're women That's and true. we don't like to make waves, which is a societal I, thing. I noticed that in that podcast editing group. It is it is dominantly male. But I mean, women have a lot of podcasts and we're not just going to... First of all, we can't afford mm-hmm. men <laughs> or, or women who... Because honestly, if you look at the prices, it's some of them run the range of $250 an episode, <gasps> which is a fair price for the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. But so we independent podcasters have to wind up doing our own episodes. So if a lady comes up in this male podcasting group, even if a male comes up and says, hey, that's a really great idea. I'm going to try that. All the other men don't need to jump on and say that you're doing it wrong. No. Yeah, right. No. I mean, she offered a simple solution. I mean, technically, 
I don't need, you know, these people that come up with these programs give you all these tools and do it how you feel you need to. And you have a whole toolbox here. If yeah. you choose to do it the complicated way, then do it that way. If it makes you feel better, do it that way. Yeah, I think I think it just makes them feel like they're more important if they do it the more complicated way. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, or if you, I mean, some things you can't get around, but just uh, you have people that, you know, when they talk on their microphones, they can't help but pop their peas, you know, yeah. <laughs> and you, and you just have to fix ass. it. <laughs> or, or yes, or plosives or, or even it happens with a B, it happens with a P and, you know, sibilance. <laughs> with the S's, all the S's. So, you know, hey, listen to everybody. They might have something. Yes, everybody has something to offer. And honestly, that was the best tip I ever could have learned. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pee popper. <laughs> but if you're offering, get- offering things constantly, maybe take a step back and a deep breath and let right. somebody else step into the space. Right. Well, too, in, in group, I mean, whether you're a male or female group member and you're going, would you act that way to that other person if they were the opposite sex? You know, am I acting that way? Am I overly nice? Am I fawning over what they say? Am I going out of my way because they're male? Would you do that for a yeah. female is my question, you know, and yeah. that that's a test. That's yeah. a good question. Or, or, actually. If, or if you're a male, you're coming in and do you, do you see anybody else doing what you're doing? No. Right. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, it's true. We got to get better at this, guys. Yeah. It's humaning. <laughs> humaning. Exactly. No, and I, I still struggle too because I was on a Zoom call the other day and I told Brad, I said, oh my, I wasn't going to say it, but there was this, um, it was like, like a diversity call and this woman was so beautiful. I'm like, I felt like saying, oh my God, your face, you know, but I'm like, would I say that if it was a guy? Hell no, I wouldn't say, oh my no. God, your, your face is so beautiful. <laughs> I didn't say it, but you know, it's like, I still have to, yeah. I'm, I'm learning too, is my point. Right. <laughs> More well, maybe she needed that compliment that day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Not make me feel bad. <laughs> you should have private messenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different kind of yikes. Yeah. yeah. HR calls uh, Angela. <laughs> Is there what something you, you need to tell us? <laughs> yeah. Does Brad oh need to know? Oh, my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, that's why you just don't say it. <laughs> Angela, you have a family. Right. <laughs> Are we going to have to oh, make yeah. adjustments to your uh, benefit package? <laughs> oh, wow. There's a whole different direction. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, did we make a point within this whole thing? Maybe we did. I think I did so. I think it's in there somewhere. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything else for this subject? Which is a great one, actually. I yeah. could probably talk about this for hours. We probably shouldn't, though. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, stick with us. And after this break, we'll do last thoughts and things we can't let go of. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form, and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all sorts.
Souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep it My last thought kind of ties into this whole union of opposites theme that we explored in this chapter, but it ties back. Okay. Um, The the read along in Shadow of Night right now, we've met Philippe and there's been a lot of talk about Philippe. And one of the things floating around is that Philippe always knew, some folks have the theory that Philippe always knew that Diana was the one even before they time walked back and he met her, you know, somehow that he was involved in the, um, the, the goddess told him more than what I think she told him. Anyways, but but I'm thinking it's not so much that he knew who Diana was or what she was. Right. I think he recognized at what point on her hero's journey she was when she met him because he mm. went through the same journey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, when, when they meet, he recognizes that she's going to be the one because I see where she's at, which also takes me back to that whole theory that I think Philippe is not necessarily a straight up vampire per se, but he's a transformative creature like she is. He's mm-hmm. somehow a union of opposites. Which opposites? I don't know. Right. But yes. I think he is, which is like why that. that whole myth of him being a demigod surrounds him. Why the humans created the myth of Hercules to explain Philippe and why he's not a god and why he's not a human. He's something in between. I love it. Gene, you never fail to come up with sound theories. Bizarre, bizarre theories. But, <laughs> anyways, no, I, but, but I think this chapter was what really solidified that the whole, he, he's something transformative. He's not, we don't know what he is, but he is that transformative creature and he's embarked on and undertaken the same journey as Diana. And he, he, yeah. saw a fellow, he recognized a fellow traveler when she fell into his path. You know, uh, when you said you are here, I just picked the map at the mall when you walk in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, rock, the, the red dot. <laughs> yes. Yes. You are here. <laughs> Philippe was that red dot at some point in time. <laughs> right. So do you think he's also a genetic leap as well? I think so. I think it's both. Oh, okay. Stay tuned, guys. Oh, God. Maybe we, maybe we hit up Shelly on our yeah. On, yeah. Our, on the tens episode with this little deal. Yeah. That was one of the most frustrating things for me at first in the Fever series was not putting jzb in a box like he wasn't labeled it was yeah. open for interpretation you didn't and it know still is. and it still right. is and i like that though for philippe uh-huh. that we don't know yet that it's yeah you know, so it's so many more details tbd right now it's ambiguous yes that's mm-hmm. kind of cool angela you have any last thoughts uh Teresa palmer had a instagram impromptu instagram live apparently she was in her trailer for six hours waiting for whatever because matthew was filming with aisha and Yay. she decided Yay. to do an impromptu Instagram live. But one of the things she said was that season three was supposed to be two seasons. Which would have oh, made sense. Which yeah, would have made sense. But, in that book. but because the pandemic in 2020 had to ruin all sorts of fun, they made it into one season. So that's what we're getting. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder how many episodes are in this one, though. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Good point. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll good. get 12 or 14. Oh, stop getting my hopes up. <laughs> a girl can dream. Just like, I know. just like I've been having dreams about those boots that James Purfoy is auctioning off. <laughs> the size of the boots or the boots? Both. <laughs> oh, dear. Here All we go. <laughs> okay. Ten and a half UK, people. Ten and a half UK. <laughs> We need a tow truck to finish this episode, guys. I'm like, I'm like ten and a half US. I'm like, oh, UK, UK. Oh, that's eleven and a half. That's a totally different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So here are my last thoughts, and we'll close it out. We've heard from Stephen, you guys. If you guys are wondering, we oh, haven't yay. heard. Yeah. So if you guys out there are wondering where, what happened to Stephen, you'll remember Stephen from like the first two years. He was our tried and true, steady. But you know, hey. He's still listening. Yeah. And he wrote us some uh, things that he said... He thinks it's best we address it on the after show. Oh. So patrons, stand by on that. Yes, stand by. <laughs> News incoming. Exactly. Uh, next thing. Thanks for the reviews. Keep them coming. They've been awesome. And, you know, they've been keeping not only Angela, but me and Jean, too. Because, Alive. you know, whew, we've had a rough yeah. year. A couple of years. Yeah, the last year is rough for all sorts of reasons. So mm-hmm. we've all gotten, you know, gotten our case of agoraphobia. So. <sighs> and it's going to continue. I know. Seriously. Oh, um, we need our, not to forget, we need our Ask Us Anything for our holiday show. Oh, yeah. That's, That's right. right. I do have that written down so now I can cross that out. Uh, ask us anything. Okay. What I have done is I put it all on a form. You don't even have to open up your email app. I will put a link in the show notes. Those of you who don't want to go to the web and you're just on your podcast app, it will be in the episode notes. All you have to do is click it, fill out the little form, and then send it in and we'll get it. This is for our holiday episodes that that's coming up. Our last episode of the year for the past four years we've done this. So, you know, we're not breaking tradition. But this year we wanted to open it up to you all to ask us anything. It doesn't even have to be series related. It can be about us if you want to know. And if it's too private, we will kind of not tell you the two private parts, but we will answer it the best way we can. Yes. So definitely check the show notes. The Ask Us Anything link will be in there and click it. Fill out the form just so easy. You don't even have to open up your freaking email app. Just click it, fill it out, click submit and we'll get it. So appreciate that, Jean. Thanks for bringing that up. So So like I mentioned, this is the last chapter episode of the year. Don't fret. Our next episode will be on the tens, and that is take 80. And we have asked a special someone to join us, and it will be our wish list for season three. Yay! Yay! So happy about that. Okay. Discussers, thank you for participating. I know last episode I mentioned the packages that I was going to send out to those last minute participators. I sent out a discusser email, and I gave them only two days to respond. And the first three came through and I sent them out a prize. And what do you guys think about me doing that from now on? If I send out a last minute discusser email? I like that. Yeah, I like it too. I like it too. Okay, so from now on, if you see me say last minute discusser email, that is an action point for you. Answer as fast as you can. The first three will get something. 
Yay! Yay! Because I'm I'm feeling very Oprah-ish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we got those packages out to our last minute discussers. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you, Chloe. And that was from last episode. And I think I've run out because we've already covered Ask Us Anything. Anything else you guys can think of? Nope. 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 All right. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Everyone. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.